What a great group we have here this morning. Uh, it's just encouraging to see everybody, see everybody together, uh, whether you're back from summer vacation and into the regular uh, operating mode of the school year. Um, we had a, uh, a wonderful first school week with Alana. She was super excited about it, and um, we, she wasn't quite used to getting up so early, but um, we, uh, we made that work. Uh, so yeah, so if you're a teacher in here, um, praise God for you. And uh, for your families, um, so it means a lot to us. We uh, love being here in the community of Elba and the school here, too. Uh, a lot of great people. And so today, uh, we get to start in a new series, and if you're with us online, we're glad that you're here. Uh, if you're in person, same thing, because uh, then I can see you. I like seeing people's faces, too. Uh, my name is Michael, and I'm the pastor here. So uh, we're moving into this new series in the book of Revelation um, some of you really like the book of Revelation or like end times or like prophecy. Some of you are like, I don't really want any part of that. Like it just, you know, it seems too contentious at times. Well, I'm hoping that we can meet somewhere in the middle. And in this first part of the book of Revelation, uh, just look at the churches and the, the words that Jesus has for the churches to encourage us and just to give us that mirror of self-examination. Um, sometimes it's hard. You know, we don't like looking in that mirror because sometimes we see things we're like, oh, I wish that wasn't there. We like to ignore it, right? Uh, but for us, we're going to be moving into this series, and just the title of today's message is Preparation for Evaluation. So if you were going to be getting ready to be evaluated for something, maybe at a job, uh, maybe to get a new job, or maybe in school, like, you know, kids, you guys do that all the time, right? You take tests, right? You prepare all the time to take that test so that you can move on to the next phase of life or learning. And so we're all used to that. And the question is, how do we prepare to be evaluated when it comes to God and the standard for His church, the church? Well, we're going to take a look at that. And in, in thinking this, I just want us to remember, I think, a couple of phrases. I, I thought of a new one last night, <laughs> so I'm going to give you both of them. But this is the one that I wrote down earlier in the week. Look at the start to see the end. So you should see that up there. Look at the start to see the end. That's the phrase to remember. And then I... Uh, of a series of events that have happened this week. So we've seen things like you know, vaccine mandates uh, and um, uh, 9-11's uh, memorial as of you know, yesterday. That was, it's been 20 years, right? You know, it's hard to think about that. Some of us go, like, I don't remember that because we were too young. Um, some of us go, yeah, I remember where I was, and I was watching the TV, and after I heard about the first, you know, the first tower I was watching, and most of us in horror when another plane hit the second tower. And so, um, we, you know, we go back, we've been back to places this week and not some good places, right? And so my hope is that as we look at this, we can see some encouragement. And I loved what President Bush said yesterday. I actually didn't watch it when it was live, I was spending some time with family. And um, Kathy actually said, hey, you should check that out. And so I, I did. I watched the whole thing and it took me back, you know, when he was the president. And, and he, it always seems like he had something encouraging to say. And there was always the hint of God and um, of the encouragement that there's, you know, there's some sort of purpose and we've learned something from this. And what he said at the very end of the address, and I want to keep reminding of this us uh, throughout the message, he said this. He said, if you need hope, look to the sky. And at the end of everything that he said, I was like, wow. I mean, like that, <laughs> that's what we need, right? And although he was talking about Flight 93, which the passengers on Flight 93, if you don't know the story, kind of took over the situation, and the plane ended up crashing in Pennsylvania instead of getting to wherever it was going, supposed to get to, 
to hurt other people. So he talked about the heroes on that plane, but then at the end he said that phrase, and I was going, that's like exactly what we're talking about tomorrow. We're looking at the book of Revelation so that we can not only look at the beginning of this book, but when we look at the beginning of it, we really see the end of all things and what God's prepared for us. And so when we need hope, right, kids look at the sky and they go, oh, clouds, yay, like, there's a bunny, there's an elephant. And we do that with our kids for fun. But the truth is what he said last night really stands uh, the test of time and within the Bible itself. So when we need some hope, we need to, we need to look to the sky, okay? And so wherever you're at this morning, I know we kind of all come in here with different things going on, a lot of memories and stuff that's happened over the last 20 years, and again, remembering where we were. And uh, I have one just quote I want to share with you too before we jump into it. So you got President Bush, he shared that yesterday. I've just had so many things in my mind with everything going on. I want to try to get it out there. I was reading a book too, C.S. Lewis's The Weight of Glory, and he said in it that the church will outlast the universe. So while we're here, right, it's hard. So we, we experience tragedy, we see all the things that take place, like 9-11, and then we hear things like, you know, look to the sky if you need hope. And Jesus is going to tell us the same thing. Hey, in, in retrospect, and as we examine our churches, remember, I'm coming back. And so as you need hope, look to the sky, because there's going to be a day, right? He steps out of eternity, and for a moment, he reveals everything, and he rescues us, and that's just what we get to look forward to that. So I, I love that when C.S. Lewis was talking about this, about the church itself, which is really what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, he said, the church will outlast the universe. So everything else burns out. We're with God forever in heaven, and we see as everything designed to end at a time does end. And so with that, we'll be in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. I want to give a little bit of background first. I won't do this every week, but um, as we move into this, uh, I want to kind of explain a few things. So the first thing is an island. Everybody been to an island? <clears throat> Some of you? Yeah. Raise a hand. Yes, you go on vacation, you go to an island. Well, there is a particular island uh, of which the book of Revelation was given to John the Apostle, John the Disciple. And it wasn't like an island you'd go to for like vacation, right? It wasn't like a nice place you would go to. Uh, John was on this island, the island of Patmos, and he was given the revelation of God directly from God. And as he's sitting in this place, he's probably, you know, 80, late 80s, something like this, and he's the longest living disciple and apostle, and he, he has um, either witnessed or uh, been told about all the other martyrs that have taken place, all the other disciples who have gone on to be with the Lord, and he's still there, right? Well, the government doesn't like this, and they've tried to kill John a few times up until this point before sending him to the island of Patmos. And so he, they said, well, you know, nothing else has worked. They throw him in a vat of boiling oil which, you know, is awful to think about, but that didn't kill him either. So they said, okay, well, we don't, we don't know what to do with John, so let's put him on the island of, of Patmos. And he, he, was, he was there for this time while he was being given the revelation. It's kind of like if you were to think about, like, what was Patmos like? Well, it'd be more like Hunger Games than vacation, right? So he was, he was there on this island, and this is where the government would send all the, like, the guys who the, nobody really wanted to deal with, right? So they, they said, well, we're not going to execute this person, but we're going to put him on this island. And eventually, they're either going to starve or uh, somebody else is going to uh, attack them, another criminal. And the Roman guards were just posted there just to like, you know, make sure nobody escaped, right? So not a fun place to be. And on this island, in this exile that John experienced, he got a direct revelation, a direct vision from the Lord. And it should be that encouragement to us that as we, you know, we need some hope, we look towards the sky because we're thinking about what Jesus is going to do when he comes back. 
But in the meantime, the question is, what are we supposed to be doing as the church, right? Um, what, what is the church supposed to look like? How are we supposed to be living? What are some things that we're supposed to be doing? Well, this series is going to help us see that. But before we get into it, we want to look at a preparation for our evaluation. So hopefully you're already in Revelation chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. If you're not, and we'll read verse number 1. So in verse number 1, we see this direct direction in uh, direct revelation. That's the first fill in the blank. At the start, we find direction. At the start, we find direction. And so in verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. And so in verse 1, we see, well, there's this um, interaction that takes place. Initially, an angel sent. He's going to show him all these things that are going to take place. Uh, he, John's going to hear Jesus' words as well, saying what's going to happen. And, and each church, as he examined each, each of the churches, and uses this word revelation. So it's used 18 times in the, the New Testament. And the Greek word is apocalypsis. Apocalypsis. And it just means to lay bare, to disclose the truth, or to make manifest. Um, and so there's things that you know, happen in our lives where they're, they're made clear to us, right? They're made manifest. In the same way, God is giving John this revelation, this apocalypsis, which is this direct revelation of God. Uh, it says in 1 Peter, the same word is used here in 1 Peter 4, 13, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So moving in this direction, as we experience that suffering, we're, we're looking forward to that when his glory will be apocalypsis to us. It'll be revealed to us. And I like what um, Bede, he was a church father, he said this about verse 1. When the church had been established by the apostles, it was proper that it be revealed by what course the church was to be extended and was to be perfected at the end. So as Jesus leaves, right, he, he, we know he raised from the dead after dying for the sins of the world, and then he ascended into heaven, and we need some directions, right? So the church was started, if you look at the book of Acts, so all through the book of Acts, how uh, the model that we're supposed to follow, and then God's going to give us a little bit more through John, the last book in the canon of our Bible, Revelation. And he gives them this, these words so that like what Bede said, the church was to be extended and was to be perfected at the end. So when at, we're at the end, right? Some people say, I think it's going to happen tomorrow, right? A few people have written books about that. Didn't work out. I'm not going to do that in this series. I'm not going to try to help you understand when that's going to be because I don't know. And the truth is no one does. So, but what we want to remember is that God's he's given us some keys to help us walk rightly. And at times we're going to go, yeah, like that church, you know, the book of Revelation, we're a lot like that church. You know, we do these things well and these things well. Oh, but there's that one thing that maybe we don't do so well. And so we have to be willing to look in the mirror and maybe not have it be that mirror. What is the mirror? A mirror, mirror on the wall, right? Who's the fairest of them all from the Disney movie? Uh, maybe when we look in the mirror, we're going to see some things. We go, oh, we might need to change that, okay? And so then verse 2 we see that we have direction in John's witness. And so in verse 2 it says, "...who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw." So John, he wasn't just like some random guy, like, you know, Jesus didn't just show up or send the angel to some, you know, criminal on this island of Patmos and go, hey, I have something really important and you should tell everybody. No, John was like, he, he was a guy who had some cred, right? Kids would say street cred. Maybe they don't say that anymore. Uh, but, but he had some credibility, right? So uh, he had the ability to not only receive this from God, but when he said what God told him to other people, or he wrote it down, and then they read it later, they'd be like, oh, John said that. Like, 
I mean, he's a serious dude. Like, he's been living his whole life from following Jesus during the ministry to starting churches to discipling people, which we'll actually see one of the pastors that Jesus addresses, the church in Smyrna, Polycarp, who we talked about a few weeks ago. We watched that video. Uh, John actually discipled that guy. And so you see John, he has this huge influence throughout the, all of his life. And the last task that Jesus gives him is to, hey, here's what I need you to do. Along with your witness, I'm going to give you the end of all things, and you get to share that with the churches. And then in verse 3, we see direction and blessing. And so there's this special blessing, and as we try to pursue God, we're like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? What direction do we need to have? Well, he gives some simple principles before and we jump into the rest of it. In verse 3, it, said, Bless, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So we get this direction and blessing, and there's like three groups of people, right? So we can be all of these, we can be some of them. Group one is readers, right? So hopefully, read your Bible, right? I mean, that's one of the things we just say over and over again, like, you know, read your Bible, like coming to church on Sundays, excellent, and we want everybody together, but if you're not reading it on your own, how are you going to grow, right? That's why we have the quiet times back there, and so I hope that you use that great resource, because sometimes it's like, I don't know what to read. Well, one of the blessings we receive is just reading the Word. And so, and then the second group here is the hearers. So, um, so it's like to hear the Word, right? I know I like to listen to the Bible. Maybe some of you go, I, and I'm um, not really a reader, so uh, Bible's not so cool, right? Uh, we have this wonderful thing in technology in the time that we live in. I just listen to the Bible a lot, right? And so I'm an auditory learner anyway, so maybe some of you struggle with that. So listen to the Bible, right? So we hear it when other people read it, right? That's why we're here, so we can listen to it. And so there's a second group, these hearers that are blessed, and the third group is, well, it's more of an action group. It's the people who keep it, right? So we want to read it, we want to hear it, and we want to keep it. And the Word tells us that there's this special blessing in this direction we've been given. If we would, we would read it, if we would hear it, if we would actually live it out, man, the blessing that we might receive, okay? And so that's the first, first fill in the blank. The second one is, at the start, we find Jesus. So... Now, if we didn't know that, Jesus was at the beginning uh, of time, of everything. He was preexistent. Um, some people like to say, well, Jesus, you know, he came on the scene in the New Testament, and um, he sort of shook everything up. And no, Jesus was actually around before anything, right? He was active in creation, so we don't want to get confused. So as we look into this revelation, as we lead up to the evaluation of the churches, we got to make sure we have a right picture of who Jesus is, okay? Uh, and so to remind us of these statements, this phrase to remember we want to look at the start so we might see the end, right? It's a good place to start. It's at the start so that we can see the end because God brings everything full circle. And um, then if you, if you need hope, look to the sky, right? That's going to be the continual theme of the book of Revelation. If you need hope, remember, we need perspective. We need to see what's going to take place. And God shares some of that with us. <clears throat> and so the, uh, in verse 4, it says that uh, there's this reality of Jesus. So we'll read it. Uh, It says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from seven spirits who are before his throne. So John addresses first the churches that are in this direct region, right? So um, it says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So this is more Asia Minor. If you looked at the um, the little map we put up there, you would have seen the island of Patmos and then all the churches that were listed in that area. So these would have been churches that would have been uh, the ones that would have been started in the last like 50 or 60 years before John was writing the book of Revelation. And he's going to give it to the churches and remind them. He says, hey, uh, John, to the seven churches, this is who we're writing to, the churches that are in existence right now. And now that translates to us, God, to all the churches that are in existence right now. 
Grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come. So there's a couple of different groups, right? We know that Jesus was. He existed before anything. Then he came into the world, right? He was born as a little baby. Like, we like that Jesus, right? So as the, you know, the new season's approaching school, we love, like, getting the decorations ready. Fall, oh, it's almost going to be Christmas. I love getting the Christmas decorations out. Maybe that's you. And uh, you think about the little baby Jesus. I just like him so much. Like, he's just so cute in his manger, right? But Jesus is far more than that, right? He existed all-powerful before everything. He came in the form of a man to experience life as we would. He died on the cross, was raised from the dead so that we might have eternal life. And then there's this other picture of Jesus, and, and this is all of who Jesus is. He is to come, right? So we can't just like have part of it, right? I like pre-existent Jesus. You know, he was around. He's like, you know, grandfather Jesus. Well, or I like baby Jesus because he's just cute and cuddly. But do we also have the picture of Jesus in his judgment, of the world, and a guy who's, who's breaking open the clouds, riding on a horse, holding a sword, which is not a sword that's going to be a good thing for those who oppose God, right? So we have to reconcile these things in our mind that God in his um, totality and everything that he is represents far more. He is everything, right? And he says, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and so this really points us to this idea of completion, this idea of seven or seven spirits. It's going to be referenced a few times in the book of Revelation, and it really points us to this idea of completion. Sometimes we see the seven spirits. What is that? Oh, it's confusing. Tell me what it is. I'm not going to go there this morning, but what I will say is that when we see this, we need to understand that in this book, in this revelation, God's going, hey, I'm going to finish things up. And when I do, it's going to be perfect, right? And so this is number of seven of completion. And then in verse 5, we see that Jesus has authority, right? If we didn't know that, if we just like baby Jesus, we said, no, he's good, right? He just is there when I need him. He makes me feel better about myself, right? Well, in verse 5, we find that he has authority. And in 5, it says, And from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins, by his blood. So who is he? Well, it says he's this faithful witness. And if you remember, a couple of years ago, we started when I first got to the church. Um, we we're just praying about, you know, what do we need to do? Well, Book of Acts seems good, and so as we prayed about that, we jumped into that, and we kept seeing at the beginning of the Book of Acts witnesses, witnesses, witnesses. And what is that word in the Greek? Martus, martus, and that's where we get our word for martyr. So when Jesus is talking about us, right? He keeps talking about his church, his faithful church, his witnesses in the world who are also his martyrs, right? Those who would faithfully go to that end. And so the actual translation for this is Jesus is called the faithful witness and the firstborn of the dead. It comes from blueletterbible.com this morning at least. It says, those who after his example have proved their strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. Oh, wait a second. Like, I was like, faithful witness. Like, yeah, I'm a witness of Jesus. You know, I'm there. Like, I'm at church. I want to witness the things he's doing. But like martyr, like that seems a little more serious, right? And we may not have to experience that in our context, in our lifetime, living in a free country, a relatively free, right? And, but yet we know brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering, right, in terrible ways, that are being killed for their faith. And, and when we read this, we have to understand that Jesus, he's including us in this family, in his family that includes us in this, uh, this idea of being a martyr, right? That we have to be resolved. Now, I know like for the students, for the kids, like it's scary, right? You're like, uh, I don't know if I could, I mean, die for Jesus. And then we think like, well, I'd like to. 
And, and all these things come back into my memory, especially this week, because Wednesday's the 21-year anniversary of the shooting that happened at my church, and, and young people gave their life. They uh, stood up to someone who just hated God and um, wanted to hurt the church. And I always remember, um, when I think about this word, a young man who uh, was, was in the sanctuary when this guy was walking around shooting people, and, and he, he's walking around the back of the sanctuary, and this senior in high school, he stands up, and as the guy's coming down the, the back aisle, he points the gun right at his head. And the young man, the senior in high school, relatively new believer, he looks at him, he says, you can go and shoot me, go ahead and shoot me, because I know where I'm going. But do you know where you're going? Now, how many of us, you think about a senior in high school, right? I mean, how many of us in that situation would, be, would think, like, that's what I would do, right? Because that would be difficult, wouldn't it? So yet we pray now, we go, um, Jesus, you are the faithful witness, right? And you have called us to be faithful witnesses as well. But he's the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. It says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So what has Jesus done for us? And we think that it would be hard, but he's given us everything, right? He's given us eternal standing so that on that day, where either we die and we stand before him in heaven, or he breaks open the sky. And that's why we've been looking for hope this whole time. And when he does, we're like, oh, yes finally, right? And we're encouraged and affirmed in that. But how do we walk now? How do we say, yes, faithful witnesses, we want to be like that? Well, Athanasius had something to say about this. He said about this verse, although it was after us that he was made man for us and became our brother by likeness of body, still Jesus called and is the firstborn of us. Since all people were lost through the transgression of Adam, Christ's flesh was saved, first of all, and was liberated because it was the world's body. So what did Jesus do? Well, we talked about that this week in the quiet time. During our prayer meeting time, I love that Greg referenced that passage. Um, What did Jesus do? He literally came down. He literally took on flesh. He died. He conquered sin and death, right? And if you think about that at that moment, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, we read that on Wednesday, it says he died for this exact measure of the grace that was needed for each of us, right? Now you think like, God's just like, I'm just going to, yeah, we're going to die for the sins of the world, whatever that's going to be, just write the blank check. But Jesus, when he was on the cross, about to die, knew exactly what that measure was, and he paid it in full. So it's like, it's even more specific when you think about it. Yes, God can do everything, and he did it, but it was specific, and it was exact for us. And he died for us with this love. I love the word that is used here. It says, to him who loves us, that word love, we talked about it last week, the Greek word agape right? Now in English, right, we say, I love tacos, or I love my kids, or I love my wife, or I love my friend. Those are all different forms of love, right? But in English, they're all the same words. So when we look at the original text here, it says, loves us, he agapes us. And uh, just the literal translation of this or definition is to love dearly. And um, I don't know if you've ever known anybody who's loved you dearly, hopefully your spouse. We love our kids in that way, right, with this unconditional love. But God's is perfect, right? Our kids can get on our nerves. We can disagree with our spouse and go like, I'm not sure I love you unconditionally anymore, right? Right? That's never happened to you guys, I know, right? But that can happen, and we go, I just don't know if I do. But God loves perfectly, doesn't he? He loves unconditionally. So when we're confronted with this and we go, I, I want to be a faithful witness, and, and God goes, you can do it. Why? Because I love you unconditionally. There's this perfect love. So we, you know, a lot of times we rely on everybody else to help us you know, get through life or to sustain us. And this has been a difficult season by far. And we come down to it. If we don't understand that 
God loves us unconditionally, then well, how are we going to live that faithful life? How are we going to um, live up to the expe- expectations that God has us for us? And then he says that we're freed from this sin, freed from this sin. So he loves, and loves us and has freed us from the sins by his blood. So as Ephesians talks about the specific measure of grace that was given us, he was pouring out his blood on the cross and he was about to die. We see that he died specifically for us to free us from our sins, right? So we don't have to walk in bondage to that. Isn't that great? Like as John's, you know, he, he, the angel's given this, these words to him, and he's like, yes, yes, this is going to encourage the church. Man, I, this is so great. Like, tell me more. And he says, he's freed us from our sins, right? Isn't that enough of an encouragement? Just, I mean, each day when you get up and you're like, man, I'm glad that I don't have to live by the mistakes that I made yesterday, right? Because he died for it, past, present, and future, Okay. And so I love that. And then in verse 6, it says that there's this kingdom of Jesus, right? So he says, and he made, uh, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we find assurance in the Spirit, and we find confidence, right, in his authority. Because if he's got authority over everything else, then we're like, man, like, no sweat, right? If I had to give my life for following Jesus, and it's fine for us to say, like, I would do that. But it's another thing to actually do it, right? But we have the confidence, to, to say that, man, it, if God put me there, then I'm praying for confidence right now. I know I can walk in that. But you know what he's done for us? And made us a kingdom priests to his God and Father. So this priest, I like this word. In the Greek, it's the word eros. It means belonging to like offspring. It's where we get our word for heir, right? So somebody of royalty, we'd say like, hey, who, who's the queen's or king's heir, right? This person. Well, what does God say about us? He says, and he's made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. So he's given a special placement, right? We've been, we've been made priests. So um, a lot of times people will, they'll come to me and, you know, they know, oh yeah, you're the pastor over there. Like, so, you know, people come to you and there's like that little booth and they like confess all the stuff they've been doing that's wrong, right? Like, no, we, we don't have that thing, right? That's Catholicism. So what we believe is that we are directly connected to God. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have to, you don't have to come to a confessional booth, right? You don't have to come and, and sit with me and go, here's all the things that I've done. I just, like, I need, you know, I need God to let that go, right? And then I go, God, would you, you know, I know, yeah, they're uh, wicked, bad. Like, you know, we, we need some help. We need you to help them, right? No, you can, what this tells us that we are this priesthood. First Peter talks about this royal priesthood that we are all a part of. And we're heirs to God. And so we can go directly to him. And, and in that wonderful, he says, priest is God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And I tell you what, as I shared what I did last week, um, just as we've experienced loss in our family, um, you guys have been ministers to us. You've been priests to us. And so I know I get up here and I share on a Sunday morning, but you've encouraged our hearts in the same way. And so I just want you to know that because I think sometimes, too, we just go, yeah, I don't, I mean... I guess I could like come and like turn the lights on early, you know, help get things ready for service. I don't really know what I could do to help out. Well, the Bible tells us that we're all this royal priesthood and we can minister to one another. And so I just want you to know you've been an encouragement. So as we walk through difficulty, um, just having people to come alongside and go, hey, it's going to be okay. Let me encourage you. Hey, we've gone through this before. It's been a blessing. And so to be a priesthood together, that's, uh, man, it's like we get to benefit from other people being priests to us and from us being a priest to somebody else, okay? And so it's a special group that we're a part of. <clears throat> and before we close, I want to just remind us of this, that as we look at the end of the book of Revelation, we're going we're gonna to see the end, right? To look at the start, we see the end, 
And I love this phrase that President Bush used. He said, if you need hope, look to the sky. So as we continually look that direction, we go, we need hope. We need more hope. Um, God, thank you that you've given us that reminder uh, in a great leader. And so uh, this last fill in the blank, last point. At the start, we find the end. At the start, we find the end. And in verse 7, um, and it's the, it's the cool picture, right? It's the one that we love talking to our kids about and um, imagining. In verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Right? So as John's being given this revelation, the angel's saying, hey, here's, gonna, here's what's going to come. We're going to talk about the churches. Jesus is going to have some things to say about them. Where are we told to look? Well, look to the sky if we need hope, right? Because <laughs> he says it's going to be this coming on the clouds, right? Literally this coming on the clouds. That we're going to see Jesus as he comes back. And it's, it says every eye will see him. Wait a minute, but what about people where they're in their houses? Or what if they're in their basement? Are they sure they're still going to see him? I think Jesus can handle that, right? We always have, like, the kids ask those questions. Wait, are we going to be outside? Like, when he comes, we've got to make sure we're out there, because if we don't, we're going to be in trouble, right? No, but everyone's going to be able to see him, it says. And even those who pierced him, there's good news and there's bad news, right? So as we look at this examination of the churches, we go, God, if we try to faithfully follow you, like, please point out where we fall short, because we, we want to uh, give you all the glory. But there's this other aspect of it we don't like to think about. When, when everyone's looking towards Jesus in his perfect judgment, he says, even those who pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Well, what is he talking about there? Well, there's going to be a good, it's going to be a day of rejoicing for some, right? It's going to be a day of wailing for others, right? And, and so and I know some Christian leaders have gotten to that point where they go, hell's not really a popular idea, right? Or like God's judgment, that's mean, like, right? We don't, we don't want to judge anybody. You know, it's not nice. And maybe we don't, right? But God does, and he has that right to do that. And when he returns, that's going to be one of the things that he does. Like when he comes back and he opens up the sky, we've been hoping, we've been looking for that, and he's finally here. Yes, there's also going to be that element of wailing. And at the same time, there's going to be rejoicing. So as we rejoice, we're also going to hear wailing, right? And so that should, I think, trouble us enough, like not to keep us up at night, right? But just to go, there are people who I love who don't know Jesus, right? There are people that I, I go to work with. There are people that I go to school with. There are people around me that don't know Jesus. And the reality is if he came back tomorrow, we'd go, man, I wish I told that person. Or I wish I talked to him because they're going to be wailing. And I'm going to be going, yeah, rejoicing, and I'm going to be with God. But are we motivated, right? And so in this evaluation of the churches, I hope that as we prepare for it, we're, we're looking at all these aspects, right? We, we've got this direction from God. So how are we supposed to live, um, which shows us how we can be blessed in this life? And then are we really looking at the start and are we really believing who Jesus is? And if we do believe entirely who he is in the Bible, then that changes all of our lives, right? That gives us all the motivation to follow the direction that we've been given. And then as we talk about the last point at the start, well, we're going to find the end. And at the end, there are some things that we have to deal with that are reality, right? Uh, They're not things that we should shy away from, but we should just go, um, God, thank you for revealing your full truth to us. Uh, I hope that we can walk faithfully in that. And then in verse 8, we find that this end, it brings us, this end brings us back to the beginning. And this is what God does. He brings it back full circle. So he, he creates the world, everything in it. He creates Adam and Eve in perfect fellowship, and they are worshiping God. And we know that they fall from that because they do the one thing he said not to do. Take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And Alan and I talk about that, right? Like, was it just the one tree? I think so. It was the tree in the middle of the garden. He said, don't take from that one tree. He just said, 
anything else you can. You can walk in perfect fellowship with me. And then they said, I think we know better, right? As Satan whispered in their ear like he does with us all the time. And we think, we know better. Well, here's what Jesus says about who he is, what he is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. So that should be enough for us, right? That's pretty clear, right? Who is God? Who is the Lord? Well, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We know what that means, says the Lord. So he says it himself, and who is and was and is to come. So he is, we know he's preexistent. He came, he lived that life for us. He died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And we know he's coming back, right? Because sometimes we just go, yeah, he's coming back, but man, I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. So I'm going to I'm going to do my thing, and, you know, I mean, God will be okay with that. When he, you know, when he gets back, he'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you didn't know, so you're just sort of living however you wanted to. No, he's going to go, well, did you not read my word? Did you not hear it? Did you not read it? Did you not live by it? Did you not actually apply it to your life? Were you really following me? Because he says who he is, right? And on that day, his, uh, his totality, his evidence of who he is will be, uh, will be judging the world, and we'll see this very clearly. There won't be any question, right? As some people like deny God or they go, God doesn't really care or he doesn't even exist. Some people say that. But on that day, it'll be very clear for everybody, right? It'll be uh, blessing and rejoicing for some and weeping and moaning, wailing for others. Because he says, who is and was and is to come. Tertullian, another church father, said this about this verse. So truly is Christ are all things recalled to their beginning. So from the very beginning, was God like, oh no, I didn't know Adam and Eve were going to like, you know, destroy everything and let sin into the world. He created them knowing that he gave them that capability and they chose to do wrong. And so a lot of us like to think, well, like, oh man, God was like, oh no, Satan messed everything up and uh, all right, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, let's get together. Let's figure out how to fix this because we did not know this was going to happen. No, God knew. And he still created man. He allowed him to have the free choice, which puts us in the place that we're in. But it also should encourage us because God, from the very beginning, it was going, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring everybody back into perfect relationship and perfect fellowship. Um, And that should encourage us. I mean, in the midst of so much disagreement, we'll call it that, um, in the midst of uh, so much animosity, right? God goes, are we, are we really living out the life that we should be as the church? Are we focusing on what we should be? Are we focusing on all these other things, right? Because it's okay to disagree about some things as long as we're following what God's word says about him, okay? And so I hope this, this is encouraging to you as we think about the direction that we're given, uh, this Jesus who we do find in the book of Revelation, and we understand who he is. And, and at the start, we find the end. I hope that it's encouraging to you. I, I was given a story by one of the Zuber boys, and so I was, I was like, I was trying to figure out, hey, we, you know, when do we use this? And I think this was a good one. So some of you may know Tony Kanan. I'm not sure if I said it right. Race car driver. Uh, he won the Indianapolis 500 in 2013. Well, what you may not know about him is he, he went to visit this children's hospital 10 years before that, and he had this special, like, medallion or something. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he was sitting with this young girl who had this brain hemorrhage, and she wasn't conscious, and there would be many surgeries to help her fix what was going on. And he let this medallion that his mom gave him to, hey, now, put this on when you're driving, so it'll protect you while you're you know, driving down the road. And so he left this medallion with her and her family. And so for the years that she recovered and all these surgeries, about 10 years later, she showed up to the Indianapolis 500, and of course they still knew each other because he left her with the medallion. And she said, 
I want you to have this back. I don't need it anymore. So she had completely recovered. And so he, t- he took this medallion that was given to him from his mom to protect him that she- he gave away, right? And the-, the day that she gave it back to him, 2013, Indianapolis 500, he not only won the race, so he got first place, but he did it the fastest time that anybody had ever done it. And I tell you that story to um, remind us, not that I'm superstitious about some of those things, but sometimes God gives us those stories so that as we read them, we can be encouraged, right? That there's this, uh, there's this end that's going to take place, and sometimes, right now, in the faithfulness and the obedience to live in a way that would honor God as we prepare for this evaluation, we're going to see this better end, right? We're going to see this time when like, uh, there are going to be things that are going to happen that we can't even imagine, right? Um, that God's going to make everything right. And as that guy won the race, I know he was going like, this was my medallion, right? But maybe God was trying to teach us something in that story. Uh, and I love that because we need hope, right? <laughs> we, we love to listen to stories like that. We love to read them because we, we pull as much hope as we can out of what's going on around us. And at times it seems like not so much hope. But as our former president shared yesterday, where, where does this hope come from? He said, if you need hope, look to the sky because, well, he's coming back. And I think he was saying something a little more than just about the memorial that took place yesterday. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, we're jumping in this uh, church evaluation series and, and you don't even have a relationship with God. You're like, how do I even do that? Because I'm, I'm lost, right? And that's okay because the Bible makes it really simple. It's the ABCs. Uh, it's just admit that you're a sinner, right? Everybody's made mistakes. I do every day, and luckily, Jesus died for those sins, and so he gives us the, the ability to, what, be, believe that Jesus is God's Son, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised from the dead, like Ephesians said in the quiet time of this perfect measure of grace that he knew we were going to need. <clears throat> and then finally, see, we confess with our mouth that he's the Lord of our lives. And the Scripture tells us that what, what, what happens? We know as believers the Spirit comes, it indwells inside of us, it gives us direction, this direct connection to God, which makes us these priests like we've talked about. So as we look forward, maybe being in a difficult season, being in a difficult time, God's placed us here for a reason so that we might be even more dependent on Him, on who He is. And as we look at the church and go, God, what do you want the church to be? What do you want it to look like? How are we supposed to live and operate? As we look at these churches, as we get ready to do that, I would just encourage you, um, just as you, in your own quiet time, in your own prayer, say, God, what's my part in all of this? I mean, think about the exciting things that we're going to be starting up. Um, you know, David and Rachel here, and I love that. Um, they got here this week and are going to be a big part of that, helping us facilitate students and children's ministry. But it takes a church, right? Heard the saying, it takes a village. Well, it takes a church to carry out God's work in the community. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I just want you to pray about right now, what is that going to look like? Okay, Um, And maybe if you're online or if you're here in person, you've never made that decision to trust in Jesus, uh, that I'll be here afterwards and I'd love to talk to you about that. Let me pray for us and we'll close. Uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, uh, for us, that agape love that uh, God, it transcends everything, um, space and time, the love that comes from you. Um, God, we're thankful that in your perfect, unconditional love, in exactly the right measure, in exactly the right time, you died for the sins of all the world for all time and in the exact way that we would need it in our lives. You knew when we would be born and when we would die and how much grace we would need. We're thankful that you've given that to us freely. Uh, God, that we can put our complete hope and our trust in you, that as we need encouragement, I pray in the days to come, as we just look at the church and we evaluate who, who we are, what do we need to be like, how do we need to be uh, honoring you, God? 
I pray that we would remember those words, um, that we would, if we need hope, uh, look to the sky. Uh, we know you will return. You will make all things right. Help us to remind, remember that, but be reminded of it uh, as, we, as we go about our days and our weeks um, and the months to come as we think about this. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Is it that season again? Go Bills, right? So...